0: Searching for last-minute gifts? Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC and save 20% on select 750-milliliter bottles. That's 20% off gifts for the hard to shop for, 20% off gifts guaranteed to fit, 20% off gifts to celebrate the season, and 20% off a little gift for yourself. Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC in stores and online now through December 21st. Please sip responsibly.
1: This is the American Veteran Show.
0: Proud to finally say
1: these two words. Welcome home. Dedicated to those who have worn the uniform. Tremendous
2: national asset.
1: Dedicated to our active duty men and women. They came not as conquerors, but as liberators. Dedicated to presenting issues, topics, and interviews, highlighting their commitment to our country. I want to thank the courageous men and women who have served their country in uniform. Less than 1% population of our country chooses to serve our country in the military, the other 99% of us, we owe them. Online at AmericanVeteranShow.com,
3: here's Stephan Tubbs. Welcome to this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. Thank you so much for joining us. Another brand new episode straight ahead. We are so appreciative, especially now that the NFL is back, that on a Sunday you would make us a habit. And just as a reminder, if you miss an episode, you go on vacation, you have family obligations, church services, every single episode we have done as we are approaching the end of season five is always available at AmericanVeteranShow.com. That's AmericanVeteranShow.com with a brand new look. And I've got to tell you, it looks, I admit it, a lot better than the old one. And I thought the old one was okay. Well, that's because I put it together. Webmaster, I am not. We've got a terrific show coming up for you and hope you can stay with us for the next hour. You may or may not be familiar with the name United States Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller. He's the one that actually spoke out and criticized Afghanistan and what happened there. He criticized his own military. Well, he was thrown in the brig. We'll get you the latest on that straight ahead. Also, speaking of what happened at the end of August in Afghanistan, you will hear from our partners at CBS News, an exclusive they had with an American soldier who was an eyewitness to the devastation. And, of course, we lost 13 U.S. service members during the Afghanistan withdrawal. Also coming up in this first segment, there was a nuclear sub accident a little more than a week ago and we'll have the latest on that straight ahead. We could not do a program like this without our presenting sponsor. Thank you, as always, to the attorneys at Boson Law, Attorney John Boson and his team fighting on behalf of veterans every single day. Their number, 303-999-9999, and, of course, available 24-7 at bosonlaw.com. That's B-O-E-S-E-N Law, Law. Coming up uh, later on in the program, we will talk with a local veteran of the United States Air Force, a lieutenant colonel from Parker, and he joins us for segments two and three. And then at the end of the program today, we focus on a couple of things, a group of Vietnam veterans taking a trip to the Memorial Wall in Washington, D.C., and also in a totally separate uh, travel plan, the all-female honor flight. It's the first of its kind, they also go to Washington. And I'll also, as we wrap up, have a story of my trip just last weekend to Florida and what I saw, something I will not soon forget, as it was incredibly patriotic. We open up with taking a look at the latest surrounding Marine Corps Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller.
2: I have a growing discontent and contempt for my perceived ineptitude at the foreign policy level, and I want to specifically ask some questions to some of my senior leaders.
4: He can't so much as even post about his dog, let alone his concerns about the military.
0: So has to stay off it completely. So, Rich, why the court-martial? Yeah. What is he charged with?
4: So he's, char- he's not charged with anything yet, um, though there are four specific charges that will, they will be considering during his hearing. Article 88, which is contempt towards Officials, Article 90, willfully disobeying a superior commissioned officer. Article 92, failure to obey lawful general orders. And Article 133, conduct unbecoming of an officer and a gentleman.
0: Hmm. Well, what's he saying tonight? What does he want right now? Scheller.
4: He has submitted a letter to the secretary of the Navy basically saying, uh, let me out. Uh, I've said my piece in in lieu of a court-martial. I will just walk away. And he has congressional support on that. Members of Congress have asked the Secretary of the Navy. Uh, The Secretary of the Navy has not agreed, and they're going forward with the court-martial. So um, there's, there's more to come ahead on this,
3: certainly. We will continue to follow the latest surrounding Marine Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller as the days and weeks progress. Meantime, from CBS late last week. Major Ben Sutphin was there when the bomb went off,
5: right there. How far away were you? Uh, I was about 15 feet.
6: Yet he is somehow alive and able to give the first eyewitness account of the blast.
5: We brought a, uh, a truck with a loudspeaker down to try to disperse the crowd. I was standing right by that truck when the bomb
6: went off. The truck shielded you? I'd say so. After the suicide bomber detonated his vest, gunmen opened fire from a nearby roof. Sutphin described the actions of a Marine corporal.
5: He's blown off his feet and still has his wits about him, shot through the shoulder, immediately recovers his weapon, and puts the opposing gunman down.
6: If they had just uh, opened fire without
5: you firing back, what would have happened? Without a doubt, many more Marine and civilian lives would have been lost.
6: Fifteen Marines were wounded, among them Corporal Kelsey Lanehart. Her parents allowed us to show these pictures of her recovering at Walter Reed.
5: Another corporal, with substantial blast injuries to his lungs uh, and internal organs, still has enough grit and courage at at risk of his own life to to drag another injured Marine out of harm's way. This is where it happened,
6: about 300 yards from Abbey Gate, one of the main entrances to the airport. The Marines had set up a corridor between Abbey Gate and the Barron Hotel where British troops were located. (laughs) On the day of the attack... Abbey Gate was the only way into the airport.
5: The other two gates had been closed for a while. So what was happening is everyone. It looked like the city uh, converging on Abbey Gate.
6: Despite intelligence warnings of an imminent attack by a terrorist group known as ISIS-K, Abbey Gate stayed open so British troops at the hotel could return to the airport.
5: The the day of the attack, we, we had gotten probably the most direct indications of, of a threat at the Abbey Gate uh, and in, an individual to look out for. So we, we made sure that that information was passed to our Marine snipers uh, and, and to the Marines on location.
6: How difficult would it be to pick out one person who you, who you have a description
5: of? I would say next to impossible uh, in, in crowds of thousands, tightly packed, shoulder to shoulder, chest to chest. I mean, this was a very dense crowd.
6: Sutfin, who was the operations officer of his battalion, said the Marines took
5: every possible precaution. Armed aerial surveillance overhead at the time. We had electronic countermeasures for improvised explosive device all along that corridor that would try to eliminate, you know, electronically uh, triggered device.
3: That from CBS late last week. And of course, our condolences to gentlemen like him, as well as all of the Gold Star families. And- those 13 men and women who were killed at the end of August, we remember them. And finally, last weekend, trouble in the China Sea.
0: We're learning that one of the Navy's nuclear-powered submarines hit an underwater object in the South China Sea last Saturday. Eleven sailors on board were injured, and the Navy says the sub is fully operational. Ramy Inocencio is with us in Hong Kong. Ramy, good morning.
7: Nate, good morning. That's right. Uh, U.S. military officials are saying that they waited five days before going public with this news in order to maintain operational security. Now, the sub in question is the USS Connecticut. It's classified as a Seawolf class fast attack submarine. And in a statement, the U.S. Pacific Fleet says it's in safe and stable condition that its nuclear propulsion plant was not impacted and no one sustained life-threatening injuries. Now, this incident, though, of course, is happening at a time of high tensions between Beijing and Washington just weeks after the U.S. and the U.K. signed a deal to supply nuclear-powered subs to Australia, and really just days after China sent a record number of military aircraft near Taiwan. China Today expressed grave concerns, urging the U.S. to give details about the sub's mission and questioning whether it may have caused a nuclear leak under the sea. As for the USS Connecticut, it was last reported to be making its way to the U.S. territory of Guam. U.S. military officials say that it did not hit another submarine, but it might have hit some kind of container or some kind of submerged vessel. The U.S., of course, says it will continue to investigate.
3: We're just getting started here on the American Veteran Show. Coming up, we profile a United States air- Air Force veteran from Parker. He joins us next. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com.
1: Now, back to the American Veteran Show. Here's Stephen Tubbs.
3: Glad to have you with us as we continue this weekend's edition of the American Veteran Show. Pleasure to always have you along. And if you miss an episode or catch us maybe midway through one, always go to AmericanVeteranShow.com, click on Past Shows, and you can hear every single one of our episodes for five-plus seasons. We say this quite often. We do this program for you, the veteran. We do it for you, the veteran's family, active duty. We certainly do it for our Gold Star families as well. And I love when one of our regular listeners or on our regular program will call in and identify themselves as a United States veteran. That's how we get to our next guest. Mike Marks was in the Air Force, uh, first lieutenant, and he joins us, resident of Parker, Colorado. Mike, it's great to have you on, and thank you so much for your service. Welcome. Welcome.
2: Oh, thank you, sir. I appreciate it. It was an honor to to serve the, uh, uh, you know, our country and, and it's great living in America right now.
3: Amen. Even now. And I think that's even more important than ever. You know, we've got so many bad things going on and political infighting and our warts and all, but this is obviously still the greatest country on earth. So give me a little bit of your personal story. And I think that will lead to some of your family history as well within the military.
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I grew up as a military brat. My dad is uh, a major general of the United States Air Force, HACPAC. Uh, but, uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, born in California where the SR-71 first started. Uh, and I served, uh, you know, at Space Command down at uh, Schumacher Air Force Base, which used to be called Falcon Air Force Base. Uh, but I was basically, I launched all the uh, military DOD satellites, the Discus 2, to the Discus 3, the Fleet Sats, And at the time, the fleet, the uh, uh, Jeeps, or the GPS, uh, which was a classified program at the time. uh, I think the giving the Jeeps to the civilian or giving it to the world was probably the greatest thing or one of the greatest military programs handed over to the civilian uh, population. uh, That gave us the ability to have the Google Maps and where you are right now. And uh, so it was neat kind of seeing how that military program was unfolded uh, and given to the American people. Uh, But... uh, My brother uh, was a B-52 pilot. He's currently flying for Delta. My uncle was a colonel. Uh, My nephew is currently an instructor pilot in the United States Air Force. And uh, my grandfather was a B-17 tail gunner. Wow. Uh, There were 20,000 casualties in the tail gunner position, and he got shot up, but uh, he actually survived. So uh, I have eight other nephews and nieces that are currently serving in the armed services. So we definitely are a family that fully totally believes in the uh, military, uh, in the military tradition.
3: Well, salute to to you and your family, just real quick on your grandfather. I mean, I have been able to over the years, you know, talk to some of these B seventeen pilots and navigators and tail gunners, and it is truly amazing when you think back of the technology through World War II. And I'll never forget, you know, these guys would tell me, and I know it's it's been maybe made cliche, but you could take a screwdriver and 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 penetrate through the fuselage of a B17 um were you able to talk with your grandfather ever about his service
2: oh absolutely i mean he passed about 5 years ago but it was amazing i mean he was a a, a tiny guy uh you know like 5 foot, uh 5 foot 3 uh and that's why he was selected to be a cell gunner because they <laughs> right. actually they had you had to go in from the bottom and they tra- basically trapped you in there but uh you basically lost all feeling from your waist down because so there was no insulation. If it was minus 20 degrees, you got frostbite, you, you lost all sensation. Uh, but they had uh, some uh, German uh, Luftwaffe shoot him up from behind, and he was shot through his foot and through his leg. He didn't even feel it. Oh. You know, he, he, They pulled him out and so forth, and he thought he was fine, and they realized he, he'd actually gotten shot. Uh, but he, he actually uh, continued serving. He uh, said, "I, you know, that was the American way at the time. I don't care, uh, you know, bullets or not. I, I need to serve my country." But he was uh, some great war stories, uh, interesting things that happened to him while he was out there. But uh, and, and the VA did take to, take care of him in his later years.
3: Oh, that's great! And you know, it's uh, it's just it's terrific for you personally and your family that you know that legacy because, as you're probably well aware, so many of our World War II heroes. Uh, went to their graves without saying anything. We are on the American Veteran Show with uh, Parker, Colorado resident Mike Marks, uh, First Lieutenant, United States Air Force. Real quick, I want to just get your opinion. You know, you were in, what, Space Command uh, 87 to 91. Compare 87 to 91 in the Space Command with now what we are seeing with the new Space Force.
2: Um. It's promising. I mean, they have a lot more resources. You know, we had to report up to, uh, SAC at the time. Uh, but now this is basically a whole new branch. Uh, mm-hmm. and so there's, it, they have funding. They have what they need to have, you know, have happen. Uh, they have some, some great, you know, programs are happening out there with the, the early detection, uh, some laser based stuff they're working on. So I, I think it's a, it's a, something that's been needed for many years and, um, the space force is something that will continue to evolve as technologies come online, and, te- and of course, space will be uh, fought over yeah. uh, from the standpoint of uh, China, the U.S., uh, Russia, India, and so forth. That, that that space is will be at a premium and continues to be at a premium. One of the reasons we re- have to you know, defend our satellites.
3: One of the reasons why uh, I think you had reached out was. You know, some of the current events going on, and I, I understand, and, and you had said that you have traveled the world and you've seen the way other countries operate, and there are other countries certainly like China and Taiwan and Vietnam that uh, make things for for just pennies, I mean, maybe even fractions of pennies on the dollar to what they would be made here. But kind of talk about that and how that relates maybe back to veterans here in our country, maybe uh, not having maybe the jobs that should maybe be here in our country?
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. My, my first job out of the Air Force was Compact Computer Corporation. Uh, it was a Fortune Two company. Uh, we had about 100,000 uh, people all in from the contractors and employees and the service side of it. I mean, this is truly, this is Apple before Apple. Mm-hmm. And it was a great place to for anybody to come and work. If you're a vet or not a vet, and it it was it's it's kind of what made the American dream. You bought you to an 18 year old kid, you put in front of a a machine making making circuit boards, making computers, making power supplies, and ultimately sell them to the in in user. I mean, it was a a fabulous place to work. And then basically, America through our uh, between Nixon, uh, Bush, and Clinton. Who uh, signed all these free trade agreements allowed uh, tariffs to expire and to go away, and, and that allowed the corporations to start going overseas instead of paying twenty dollars an hour, to start paying pennies on the dollar. And one of the first people that did that was an eighteen-year-old high school kid by the name of Michael Dell, mm. and he started importing parts into his um, in, into his, ap- not his apartment, his dorm room at the University of Texas. And he started assembling these computers and selling them for $500. He had attached a power supply, a circuit board, and put, a, you know, and put the keyboard on it. Mm-hmm. And he was selling them for $400 less than a Compact. And these were knockoffs. I mean, China does not care about patents or anything and these knockoffs. And Rod Canyon, the president of uh, Compact at the time, says, I'm not worried about this you know, Michael Dell kid. You know, I don't care about China. I'm not going to go to China. Well, five years later, Compaq was basically bankrupt. Wow. Because the consumer wanted a cheaper computer. And so those 100,000 jobs are gone. And then basically Jack Welch, the president of GE, said, I'm not going to allow GE to be destroyed by an 18-year-old high school kid. And so he's, he moved 300 factories offshore. We currently have seventy thousand U.S. factories offshore, ten million manufacturing jobs, all offshore. It has hollowed out the American dream, and now our young kids who used to go to these factories and make good wages, stock options, pensions, now they're relegated to Target, Walmart, Amazon, and we, we've lost that. And yeah. now we're sitting here waiting for chips from China. Yeah, we're waiting for parts. There's, there's what forty-six uh. Um, um, transport ships waiting to offload in in, in San Francisco Bay.
3: Mike, I got a break, uh, but we'll have you on for one more segment because I think this is a fascinating topic and it goes to modern day problems. It talks about jobs that could go to veterans or anybody else in this country and they're not. We'll continue our conversation with Mike Marks. First Lieutenant, United States Air Force, was in Space Command 87 to 91, currently lives in Parker. We'll have more with him straight ahead. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com.
1: Welcome back to the American Veteran Show.
3: We continue now with Stephen Tubbs. Welcome back as we continue our conversation this Sunday with United States Air Force veteran Mike Marks. He's a resident of Parker. He listens to our regular program. And I cannot emphasize enough, this is why we do the American Veteran Show. Well, one of the reasons. And that is, if you are a veteran, you know what? You checked all boxes. You have a story. Your story may not be as amazing as, say, as we were talking about with with Mike uh, in our first segment with him. Maybe you weren't a B-17 tail gun. But if you wore the uniform, that's why we do this program. And one of the reasons why I, I'm glad that we have Mike on is there has been so much talk over the last couple of weeks, especially. In addition to all of the debacle in Afghanistan, you've got these sorties. That the Chinese military, they've been flying at record numbers into Taiwanese airspace. My premise on the regular show has been we saw what this administration did with Afghanistan at the end of August. Well, it's a legitimate question. How would our government, how would the military respond to China? But we were just talking before we broke uh, for our break and talking about the jobs. And, and Mike, welcome back. I appreciate it. And again, thank you for your service. I find this a fascinating topic because a lot of people probably that you have talked with over the years in your career and post-military, you know, they kind of just wonder, well, how come all of this is happening? And you've stated very clearly, you know, there's, there's a history precedent to this. So pick that up.
2: Yeah, the, the point I was trying to make is the offshoring of the jobs. It's not that these evil CD, CEOs want to go to China. It's that, you know, when you have these noble I, I, I mentioned Rob Canyon earlier, he said he would not go to China. And he was destroyed by this 18-year-old kid who did go to China. And the lessons all CEOs learn in America is if you do not go to China, somebody else will. Right. Now, Donald Trump was totally correct when he said, let's put tariffs in place. Now, the issue I, I, I was privileged to speak with Robert Navarro yesterday. Uh, he has a new book coming up. I'm not going to plug that, but he was trying to pitch to Donald Trump a 50% tariff across the board on all low wage nations. It's not just China because what we saw under the, the tariffs on China is manufacturing started moving to Vietnam. It wasn't coming back to the U.S. You have to put it on all low-wage nations. And by doing that, it would force jobs, those same jobs, back to America. And that's the formula that works for America. Now, Emma, Ross was totally right. When he talked about this NAFTA stuff, this this free trade stuff, there is nothing free. If people think that free trade is free, they're wrong. Mm -hmm. It comes with a price. It comes with tens or tens of millions of jobs and tens of thousands of factories. And to make America great, we have to have the factories back. We have to have these jobs for our young men and women. You know, when they found out these riotings that happened, people that have jobs don't riot. Like so we got to have good jobs for Americans making our computers, making our TVs, our bikes. And we're going to have a great great country again if we can accomplish that.
3: Yeah, I sure hope you're right. Mike Marks, uh, United States Air Force veteran, Liz in Parker, one of our listeners to our regular program and glad to have him on uh, this weekend's edition of the American Veteran Show. You mentioned uh, in our first segment so many members of your family from you know those retired and and your your grandfather a World War II Greatest Generation hero as a B seventeen tail gunner, your dad as a retired major general. You've got to pay more attention right now, don't you? To you know we've been talking on the regular show as mentioned about China and. You know, what happens? What's your take on what the military involvement may be, could be, should be, especially after the debacle in Afghanistan?
2: Well, here's what it boils down to. China does not want to invade us. Russia does not want to invade us. They never had. China's number one way to make money is, you know, $640 billion a year from selling us TVs and cars and and, and widgets. Right. China will continue building islands. they have a whole island building campaign, and that 's to claim the oil in the South China Sea and we fly over it on a daily basis, but they don 't care. Will, will they take over Vietnam? Will, will they take over uh, Singapore and stuff? They might do it, but America will probably do nothing. I mean, we do not want to get in a war with China. I mean, China just came with hypersonic missiles. these are, these are Mach mm-hmm. 12 missiles that are designed solely to destroy carriers. Uh, they have the F-22, their stealth aircraft, which is the, J, the J-20. I mean, they're stealing our technology. Now, realize, our chips that go into our planes are made in China. They take our chips designed by our engineers and putting it into their military. The U.S. military industrial complex is building up their military. And there's not a whole lot we can do word but we're going to have to focus on america and our generals have to make good decisions but there's no chance of an invasion but we're going to have to watch what is trying to do in the rest of the world
3: i want to give you the last word and maybe in two parts number one with uh, as ugly as things can be present day and you look back at your career your family history and all of that What was it inside you besides, hey, you know, this is something that my family's done. But back when you enlisted, what was the what was the driving force? And what would you tell yourself from knowledge today to that guy that enlisted in the Air Force back in the day?
2: (laughs) By Bitcoin. Uh, No. (laughs) Uh, besides Besides that. Actually, the reason I got in the Air Force was I wanted to be an astronaut. And, uh, and I was on, I was on the path to become, to, to actually join NASA and be a human flight man specialist with NASA. But then we lost the Challenger. And, and that, and that was a year before I graduated, mm. uh, from college. And when that happened, they shut down, uh, the contingent of military officers at NASA for five years. And so that's how I, I found myself at space command over there at Falcon Air Force Space, Schumacher Air Force Base. Um, but if I would, kind of do it all over again i I probably would have became a pilot uh and 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 serve at least my 20 years Mm uh my dad always said he served us 35 years because you know every day as a pilot is a wonderful day you get above the clouds it might be raining it may be bad weather but you have a sunshiny beautiful day every single day above the weather
3: awesome stuff sir thank you for not only listening but for reaching out and becoming part of the american veteran show and uh, make sure you tell all those family members in the military there's a show like this because uh, we certainly care. I thank you, Mike, and 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 thank greatly you. greatly give you a salute for your service and to your family, all of those that serve as well.
2: All right, God bless. Appreciate the time. You bet,
3: Mike Marks, First Lieutenant, United States Air Force veteran from Parker, Colorado. What a family legacy and history. When we come back, a story from last weekend that actually happened to me, and it was a sight to see in the Florida Panhandle. In the Florida Panhandle. We'll have that coming up next. Stay with us. Oh. Glad you're with us as we wrap up this week's edition of the American Veterans Show. And it is a really great honor to talk with you every week about our men and women in uniform and, of course, our veterans. And earlier this week, we hear a lot about honor flights, but how about the first ever
2: all female honor flight?
8: They are sisters in arms reunited on the first all female honor flight. Their destination, the nation's capital, for a day-long visit to the city's monuments built to honor their service and courage. All of this part of Operation Her Story, an initiative dedicated to highlighting contributions of women in the military.
4: We're finally
6: being recognized as part of the service. 99-year-old
8: Betty Hortzman fought in World War II. She spent 18 months in the South Pacific as a physical therapist.
6: I just knew I, had, I could contribute something with my profession.
8: In Washington, many of the veterans who fought in World War II, Korea, and Vietnam meeting for the first time, paying tribute to the nearly two million women who were veterans in the United States. They were greeted with cheers and a live band and spent the day visiting those monuments, including the Women Veterans Memorial and the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier
9: well it'll open up people's minds to let them know that yes we had some critical roles that we played and even before me uh there were critical roles that women played in the armed
1: forces
0: and uh i just hope people will now say hey you were in instead of oh is your husband in?"
8: (laughs) a day to honor america's heroines and a historic flight to remember their legacy
3: salute to those women and to all women who served this great country and maybe didn't get quite the recognition. And, of course, as we say all the time on this program, a salute to those women who kept the home fires burning, especially in World War II. More than just Victory Gardens, they held many times the families together. And a similar story also with Destination Washington, D.C.
10: Here in South Carolina, over 900 gave their lives. And at that time, I was a young boy that I was drafted. And went to Vietnam, I thought when I came home, <laughs> I'd be a hero. But they really didn't know what we went through.
1: An unbreakable bond formed through tragedy.
10: Fighting in the jungle, not knowing who your enemy is.
1: Memories of the Vietnam War, something Commander Tommy Olds will never forget. A shared experience with his brothers in combat.
10: can't have a full night's sleep. You can't get along with people. You're angry all the time. It's just a horrible way to feel. And I feel like that for over 50 years. But then when I became a part of the South Carolina Combat Veterans Group, my healing started. Healing
1: through laughter, healing through tears, never forgetting those who didn't make it home. On Friday, they'll travel to Washington, D.C. to lay a wreath at the National Mall in honor of those who died. It's something they've done for 20 years by bus. This time, they'll be in the sky. So many
10: guys have gone on a trip ahead and flew on a plane since they came home from Vietnam. Remind you of some things, but it's worth it for those that gave their lives. And we're going to hold each other's hand and we're going to cry together. We're going to laugh together, but we're going to be together. It's the same as in combat.
1: An unbreakable bond.
10: We're going to be flying so happy in the sky, we're going to be close to heaven. We thank him for bringing us back home to, to the United States of America.
3: Kalen Hagwood, News 19, WLTX. That from South Carolina Television, and what a what a pleasure to hear that man. And we say to all of our Vietnam veterans, welcome home. One of the things that uh, is often overlooked, and in good and bad situations, talking about communications or comms in the military and overseas, the UK certainly focuses on its military and communications.
11: So we describe ourselves as the vital link for the British Army, because without communications, nobody will know what the plan is, what their part is in it, and how the situation may have changed. So it's absolutely vital that everyone is informed as to what's required. So there's a wide variety of different systems and platforms that are used within the Army, but the system we've been using here, the tactical radio system, Bowman, is the most common basic level system that we have within the Army. We employ people from a whole range of different occupations. Some are telecoms professionals, some are abattoir workers, some are engineers, the complete spectrum. What everyone gets out of this is they've actually got something totally different from what they do with their day job. So they get to learn a new skill, They get to meet uh, new people, travel and take part in all sorts of activities which they wouldn't get in their normal day job. So yeah, people really take to it very well. If the army cannot communicate and uh, command cannot be exercised, it would cease to operate as as an army as we know it. In this regiment, our principal role is to provide calm support for the Allied Rapid Reaction Corps. It's a pretty high profile job and yeah, our guys are up for it. Although comms is a vital part of what the army does, it's only one small part of a bigger picture. So it's a vital role, but we have to remember we're just one part of a bigger team. But without it, we could not exercise effective command and control. The zero, inform
2: this call sign where Group 1 departs.
9: Call 52, Roger,
11: out. Bottom line. It's great fun. You learn new skills, which you can apply in the rest of your life. You meet a great bunch of people, and you get to try out all sorts of activities you might not see or do elsewhere. We are the vital link, and we're striving to be leaders in a digital age.
3: That from the British Army, our allies in the UK, and their important communications operations. And finally, as we wrap up, I just want to close with an anecdote, a story of what I experienced a little more than a week ago. Last weekend, I had a chance to get a little R&R for a few days and went down for the first time to Panama City, Florida. It is an area where many snowbirds come, whether they're civilians or veterans. Uh, It is near Pensacola. And what I saw, I want to share with you in the final moments of the program. So sitting on the beach under an umbrella, no little umbrella drinks, but... Saw a gentleman, had to be in his, I would say, early 70s. And he was probably at least seven, 800 yards away. And I saw that he was carrying a bundle of something. And for a man in his 70s, he was extremely fit. You could see the, the sun glistening off of his uh, sweaty skin. And he kept getting closer and closer. He wasn't certainly running a marathon, but he had a steady job. And as the Gulf of Mexico, small waves were were coming up on shore, the breeze was blowing, and he kept getting closer and closer to where I was sitting. And I realized the bundle in his arms as he jogged were American flags. And he kept running, and he got to almost in front of me, and he stopped where a little girl was digging in the sand and she had had the mound i would imagine in her mind maybe it was a castle and she had a hole where the sand had been and her head was turned to the right and he simply jogged by and while she was looking the other way he promptly put an american flag at the top of that pile of sand and never stopped he kept running maybe another 50 to 75 yards. And a family of maybe five or six people were doing basically the same thing. They were at the surf's edge and they were digging and playing. And he ran, slowly stopped, and planted another flag, never stopped, and he kept going. And to see this man, not knowing his story, maybe he was a veteran, maybe just a patriotic citizen, but he would never know what we would then watch after he continued down the beach. The little girl turned to her left, saw the flag, and was amazed. She grabbed it and waved it into the air. And once she left her little sandcastle, the flag remained and it blew in the wind. And down 50 to 75 yards, the family, at least one member of that family, held that flag waved it into the air and promptly put it back in their pile of sand as well. God bless those, whether veterans or civilians like me, that still appreciate the American flag. May she fly in freedom forever. That wraps up this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. For producer Matt Steinkruger, I'm Stefan Tubbs. We'll talk to you next week on the American Veteran Show AmericanVeteranShow.com and remember our troops.
1: The American Veteran Show is a copyrighted production of Mountain Time Media Group, LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit AmericanVeteranShow.com. Join us next week for another edition of The American Veteran Show.
0: Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on prize picks. The most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players Right now, PrizePix will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepix.com slash get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepix.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. PrizePix, daily fantasy sports made easy.